Turn to two passages of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15 and Matthew 21. I read some out of Matthew 21, so I won't do that again in a moment. But Matthew 21 and 1 Corinthians 15, hold your place at both of those places. And today on Palm Sunday, I'm going to continue and I'm going to weave Palm Sunday certainly into our series uh, called The Fruit Bearers. And how many of you know who that, that, that title is, The Fruit Bearers? Who's that a reference to? Everybody say that should be a reference to me. Amen. That's us. That's the church. God wants us to bear fruit, be productive for him. In fact, Last week, we looked at John 15, verse 1 through 8. If you missed last Sunday, I encourage you to get online. Go to cotrnorth.com. You can listen to that uh, uh, um, uh, message from John 15. I encourage you to do that. And let me just pause for a second, something that just popped into my head. Very soon, we're going to be about the business of live streaming on Sunday morning so more people can hear what God is saying and what God is doing here at Church on the Rock North. We do it, we're going to be able to do it relatively inexpensively, but I want to encourage you, if you'd like to sow into that, we're going to have to spend a couple of grand, I think, on computers and things. And if you haven't done that yet, I encourage you to do that. I think you can just put it on your check, uh, uh, Facebook Live or something like that, Facebook Live Stream or those initials, and that'll get us there and help us be able to uh, uh, be equipped and prepared to, to, for people all over the world. Every Sunday morning, I do a little blooper, uh, not, not a little blooper, a little blip uh, uh, about today on Facebook Live. I have people from all over the world watch uh, this morning. I don't know where I'm at. I've, I've already ministered to more people that are in this room. I think I'm probably double or triple of that already. So it works. People's lives are being touched. And so we want them into this uh, setting. And so I want to encourage you to help us be able to do that. And so, because we want to be as productive as we can. Amen. And in John 15, we learned this, a quick review, that Jesus was talking about different levels of productivity. And if you read John 15, 1 through 8, he talks about people who, who bear no fruit. And I have good news. Even if you're at a place where you're not bearing fruit and you're a Christian, God wants to move you to the next level. And we talked about how he'll do that to, to the place where you bear fruit. From no fruit to fruit. How many of you know God wants to move us from no fruit to fruit and then from fruit to more fruit? You can see it in John 15. And then he says, uh, by this my father is glorified that his disciples bear what? Much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. That's the plan of God for our life. That's the will of God. That's why you're still here. Look at your neighbor and say, that's why you're still here is to bear much fruit for God. And so that's what we've been talking about. And on Palm Sunday, I'm going to weave this thought into uh, the last week of Christ because, you know, Palm Sunday is the beginning of what we call Holy Week, the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem uh, prior to his death, burial, and resurrection. And so it's an important week that we look at, an important study that we embrace today uh, in our life in order to 
help us be more productive for him. And so next Sunday, of course, is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day. And I trust that you're going to bring family and friends with you. We're going to fill the house and we're going to see people's lives transformed because I want to tell you something. The last week of Christ, the death and burial and the resurrection of Jesus is the, is the cornerstone, if you will, of history as we know it. It's the plan of God unfolding, uh, for, uh, humanity to be able to save his people from their sins. Are you with me? Say amen. And so it's a very important week that we should embrace. And I want to encourage you this week. I emailed our church family this morning a little devotional by Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham, that'll walk you through Holy Week. And so every morning you have an opportunity. If you don't uh, want to do that, there's a plethora of, of, of insight from all over the Internet about how to learn and how to grow and how to stay in tune with Christ this week as we walk with Him uh, uh, through this journey, if you will, to the redemption of humanity. And so that's where we're headed. And that's what I want to encourage you to do because understand something about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is, as I've said, the most significant and important three days in the history of our world, both past, present, and future. It's all about the cross. In fact, uh, some people said this Bible is just, it's, it's a history book. It really is. It has history in it. But I want to tell you from the cover, from the front to the back, from Genesis to Revelation, it's not just about history. It's about his story. Are you with me? It's the story of redemption, the story of God and how he brought us to the place where Jesus died for our sins and rose again so we could have a new life. And that's what this week is all about. In fact, let me just say this about the last week of Christ, which we call Holy Week, which began at his triumphant entry and concluded at his resurrection. Uh, listen, it's the most, uh, when you throw all the gospels together, there's more about the last week of Christ than any of his 33 years of life on planet earth and more than any of his three years of active ministry. So it is an important part of, of, of the, of his story that we need to embrace and, and involve in our life. And so I want to encourage you this week just to read through that week of Christ, that last week of Christ. Uh, embrace what he's saying. Embrace what he's teaching. Embrace where he's leading us all uh, in, in this uh, last week of Christ. And so you do that today. I know you'll be blessed. Let me give you some important insights just to kind of build on what I'm going to say this morning. Some important insights about the cross and about Calvary this morning. Here we go. Number one, the cross. Help me out. Am I, here, let's go. Here we go. Important insights. The cross provided the payment for our sins. There was a payment needed, and it was His blood. In fact, if you went to Ma if you're in Matthew 21, uh, verse three, it says something. Mm, I'm in. Ma well, I, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. Everybody just. Say, we forgive you, Pastor, you got confused. All right. The, the Bible teaches that the blood of Jesus paid the price for our sins. In fact, Isaiah said, we're washed in that blood. Somebody give him a praise the Lord. The cross provided the payment for our sins, but number two, the cross provided power over our sicknesses. 
I know where I was wanting to go. Isaiah 53, a prophecy. It says, he was wounded for our transgressions. Therefore, that's the payment for our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that was needed to obtain our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are what? Somebody thank God for the cross of Christ today. Hallelujah. Paid for our sins. How many of you know we were hopelessly in debt before Jesus came and paid the price? We were, hey, we were hopeless and without Christ in this world and no way to get back to God. But Jesus on the cross paid for our sins with his own blood. And he, and he, and he not only paid for our sins, but he provided us the power of God over our sicknesses. And let me just stop. I got to just mention something today. I believe in miracles. Amen. In fact, when you follow Jesus, and we'll look at this more, through that first day as he came back into uh, Jerusalem triumphant as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they threw palm branches down, he made his way first into the temple and he cleansed the temple. And man, wouldn't you have liked to have been to that church service? Woo! People, things were flying, people screaming. He was he was powerful. He said, "This you've turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. This is supposed to be a house of prayer, not a house of merchandise. And he cleansed the temple. And then the next thing he did, he had a healing and miracle service. Somebody say amen. I believe today, tomorrow, this week is a week of miracles in our life. I just got to get there. I'm ahead of the schedule here this morning. But I want to tell you today, you ought to begin to expect the miraculous. If you'll just allow God to cleanse your temple and come into your heart and you'll worship him and just release yourself to him, I believe he'll turn you not only into a house of prayer, but a house of power and reveal himself to you in a miraculous way. How many of you could take some of that? this morning say amen i want your expectations to arise today and we see this in that first day when jesus walked in cleansed the temple and released the miraculous the cross provided power over our sicknesses and then the resurrection we'll get more to that next week but the empty tomb provided us power daily power over sin you see the cross paid for it and the resurrection of christ gave us daily power read romans 6 it says we were slaves to sin but once jesus rose from the dead we are no longer slaves to sin and we just add up all the facts of what christ did for us on the cross and we are no longer slaves to sin but we've been set free from the bondage of sin and death. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, the last week of Christ is the most important historical event of his story in the history of all humanity, both past, present, and future. And then we know that the cross, pardon me, the, not only the cross, but the empty tomb provided us power over Satan. How many of you thank God for that victory we have in him? And all the scriptures filled with the reality that because of the resurrection, uh, that those things are under our feet. Read Revelation chapter one, and you'll begin to realize that the cross and the, and the resurrection of Christ put us at a place of victory over the devil. Amen. And that just kind of sets us up this morning. What I'm talking about today is what we call the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. 
This morning, listen, the gospel, it's the greatest and most glorious global good news in the history of all humanity. Somebody thank God for the gospel. And that's what Holy Week is all about. The presentation and the manifestation and the, of the plan of God to provide a way so humanity could come back to God. Have you gone to 1 Corinthians 15? I haven't. So if you haven't, you've, you can go along with me. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul, one of the clearest presentations of the gospel, uh, the understanding of the gospel, and I bring it to you again after many, many times, I want to reiterate what we're talking about today when we think about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Somebody say the gospel. This is the good news. So when somebody uh, asks you what's uh, the resurrection, the death, burial, and the resurrection all about, you tell them it's about good news. It's, we got good news. Amen. You know, there's some religions that keep Jesus on the cross. You see, you go into their churches and they, you see crosses, Jesus hanging on the cross. Uh, I'm, I'm, hey, Jesus rose from the dead, amen? He's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the tomb. And here's what Paul said. He said this, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. Listen, this is how come you're born again. If you're born again today, say amen. You know you're going to heaven, say amen. How did that happen? Because of the gospel. Because of this good news, you're saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. And here it is. That Christ died for our sins. There it is. According to what? The Scriptures. And He was buried. And He rose again the third day. According to the Scriptures. <coughs> in other words, and we'll look at it in a moment. This was all prophetic fulfillment of God's plan unfolding in the universe. And that's the gospel. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. How many of you know Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead? In fact, even in that day, in this day, Paul, Paul talked about people who, who were denying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you go down to verse 12, it says, now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Paul's uh, showing a picture that if this isn't true, we're in serious trouble. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most pitiable or miserable. But now, verse 20, Christ is risen from the dead. Somebody say amen. And it's become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's all about the good news. It's about the gospel. This week when you share with family and friends, understand something. You're sharing with them the good news. 
And so even Wednesday night, when you interact with people, just to interact, hey, just take it as far as you can take it. Uh, get Maybe get beyond the, the invitation to church and say, listen, this next Sunday, you're going to hear some good news. In fact, it's the most, it's the best news you'll have ever heard in ever your life, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he rose again, so you and I can have new life in eternity with Christ. Somebody say amen. And so that's what this week is all about. And I encourage you to embrace these passages of Scripture. And when you think about Holy Week, here I'm going to begin to weave this in. In fact, I didn't tell you to turn there, but if you would like to hold your place, uh, in fact, just go to John 12 because John 12 is John's account of the triumphant entry, and he throws in an interesting account uh, of some interaction he had with, with his disciples that I want you to see this morning because it certainly reveals that this week was Jesus' most productive week in all of his life when it comes to the advancement of the kingdom of God. John chapter 12. If you're in John chapter 12, say amen. In fact, Verse 20, it says this. Now, if you look at the context, he had just come through uh, in the triumphant entry. And there it is in verse 12 through 15. In fact, verse 16 says his disciples didn't understand what was going on at the time. But later, they, the light came on. And verse 20, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. You get that? That's the pecking order. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Somebody say glorified. Now, understand something. They didn't understand what was going on. Still, the light had not quite come on. But Jesus' understanding of his death burial, uh, it moved him on into the resurrection. This was some glorification taking place. And, and hey, and in the bloody hours of his, uh, of his persecution and his ultimate death, it did not seem very God-glorifying. But look what Jesus says. The Son of Man must be glorified. Catch verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you. And when you hear Jesus say that, he's making a point. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and does what? Dies. It remains alone. But if it dies, it produces what? Much grain or much fruit. Jesus is moving to the place of his most productive moment. Beyond the miracles, beyond the preaching, beyond the ministry, beyond the teaching, beyond the miracles of, of, of multiplying the fishes and the loaves, he's about to become his most productive. And that's what I think you and I need to embrace about Holy Week. I believe there's some things about Holy Week and the teachings of Jesus that we can embrace and they can become as well our most productive days. In fact, Jesus shared some things with his disciples. I'm going to show you in just a moment that I believe he knew they needed to know in order to be the most productive. So Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces much, much fruit or much grain. He was talking about his life. Are you with me? Say amen. In the last days of Jesus' public ministry, 
He wanted and needed his disciples to be properly prepared for their public ministry of bearing much fruit. And so he knew his, his time with them was short. And so he was sharing with them some important insights about their life and about what they needed in order to become productive for him. I want to walk through you with that this morning. I want you to see some things about producing fruit and what Jesus shared with his disciples. Let me give you four thoughts this morning for producing much fruit. From Matthew 21, if you want to go back there, you certainly can. Matthew 21, there's some things that you and I need to embrace this morning that we need to see in order to be productive, to bear much fruit in our life. The first one is this. I believe Jesus wanted his disciples to embrace, in order to produce much fruit, the power of prophetic fulfillment. Everyone say that, the power of prophetic fulfillment. Remember this, that the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, it's the focal point of all of Scripture. It's the fruition of God's plan unfolding for humanity since the days of Adam when, when sin entered the world. If you're with me, say amen, Pastor. And so when you see this Holy Week unfolding, you see some prophetic fulfillment taking place. And the first one is about the donkey. And, I, and I'm, I'm just amazed at this story because he, he quotes this passage of scripture in 21.5 when he tells them to go get the donkey. Can you imagine? Here's Jesus. Uh, he's just uh, about to enter into Jerusalem and he tells his disciples, you go steal a donkey. Hey, he didn't say those words. He said, if they ask you about it, you just tell them our master needs it. And they were obedient to that. And so you know the story. They put him on the donkey and he came riding. In fact, one, one of the gospels said they put him on, on the, on a donkey that no one had ever written and unridden an unproven vessel. But yet here's Jesus riding this donkey for the first time. That doesn't make a lot of sense because how many of you know donkeys can be stubborn? But God, I guess, spoke to the donkey and got, and kept him calm as Jesus got on his back and he rode in in that triumphant entry. And you can see the picture if you close your eyes. Palm branches and trees and people, Hosanna. Man, I'm telling you, the city is fired up about Jesus showing up. And he said, okay, guys, understand, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. And he quotes, Jer uh, 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 not Jeremiah, but Zechariah 9, 9. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a coal, the foal of a donkey. Now, that was written 400 years plus before Jesus came to town riding on a donkey. And I don't know why all that transpired, but I do know this, that, that, that Jesus and God were trying to Teach the disciples the importance of the prophetic fulfillment that all that was going on around them, they were a part of God's prophetic plan unfolding before their eyes. And could I tell you today, we are still right there. We're in the middle of God's prophetic plan unfolding. Did you know the church is God's prophetic plan unfolding for the universe for the, for the sake of the gospel being preached in all the world? And so you see... Jesus teaching them 
the power of prophetic fulfillment. In fact, if you just a few verses down in verse 15, uh, he, he mentions it again when he's, they're talking about the, the chief priests. They're all upset because everybody's praising God and he brings the, the reality that this is another prophetic fulfillment. He said, have you never read? Verse 20, uh, verse 16, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. That's Psalms 8 2. And so what, what's he saying, man? This is all prophetic. You can't stop it. You can't, you can't come against it. God's prophetic plan is unfolding. Amen. In fact, I don't know if I have time, but I'll make time. I think I do. Let me show you something. Go if if you have time, go back to John twelve. I, I didn't necessarily. Uh, let me just show you this. As I said in verse sixteen, the disciples didn't understand it all. His disciples did not understand these things at first. He's talking about the prophecies, the hosanna, the praises of God, and the donkey. They didn't understand it at the things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, that means raised from the dead, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. So they began to realize later that this was all prophecy unfolding. Now, look in chapter, oh gosh, verse 27. Now, and this is right below where he said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. Look what he says. My soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But this is, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Jesus knew he was in the midst of prophetic fulfillment. There was one side of him that, in fact, if you remember, that uh, just fast forward a little bit, he found himself in the garden praying, Father, if it's possible, please let this cup pass from me. His, his natural uh, uh, thoughts and then the p- plan of God converged and he realized that God's plan, uh, you know, was for him to suffer and to die. And he knew that, but then he knew in verse 28, he goes on to say, Father, glorify your name. And then I love this. You may not have even realized this happened. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified and I will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it was thundered, that it had thundered. And others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your name's sake. He goes on to say, now is the, is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Somebody say amen. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, speaking of the cross, will draw all people to myself. What was he doing? He was prophesying his own death. He knew he was in the middle of a prophetic moment. We're in the middle of a prophetic moment. We need to realize that. And, and we can't be like those first disciples. The first disciples, they just were kind of, oh, OMG, what's going on here? And they didn't really realize it. Listen, Jesus has already rose from the dead. We need to embrace. Hey, if we're going to be productive for God, we got to realize, hey, it's not rock, paper, scissors. It's not just uh, 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 ho-hum, the tune is dumb, the words don't mean a thing. It isn't just, hey, what do I think I want? Hey, We are in the middle of God's prophetic plan for our lives. And we need to embrace that reality and know that God wants us, just like Jesus understood, that, that the plan of God for us is to be not just no fruit or some, or just fruit or more fruit, but much fruit in our life. Amen. 
The power of prophetic fulfillment. And if we had time, we'd go to Acts chapter 2. I think Peter got it. Peter got it. Because in Acts chapter 2, he's preaching the gospel. And you know what he's saying? Oh, have you read Joel? (laughs) This is all prophetic fulfillment. Because Joel said in the last days, he'd pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters are prophesying. Your young men see dreams and visions. Your old men and all that. Stuff. He said it's prophetic fulfillment that he, he, he got it. Listen, we need to catch that in our own life. It's not just them then and there. It's us now and here. We live in the days of God's prophetic plan unfolding. And so therefore we must, we must bear much fruit. It's the power of prophetic fulfillment. But number two, here's, a, here's another important insight that Jesus very quickly wanted to teach us and, and, and embrace, uh, cause his disciples to embrace not only the power of prophetic fulfillment, but the power of faith. Let me move us to the, the second day of these, this seven day, uh, uh, excursion Jesus had on his way to the cross of Christ or to the cross and to the tomb and ultimately to his resurrection. The second day he gets up and he does something very interesting in verse 18. Now in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. Boy, Jesus is not very merciful with the fig tree. But he's teaching a lesson and his disciples saw it and they marveled. And they said this, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? Now this is day two. Let me rehearse day one. Triumphant entry. Hosanna to the son of David. Goes into the temple, cleanses the temple. And then has a healing service and many people are born again. I'm I'm not born again, but healed by the power of Almighty God. It's a miraculous day one. And day two, he's with his disciples. He curses the fig tree and it withers and dies. And they say, how did that happen? And here's what Jesus said. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt. Everyone say, have faith. Everybody saying, do not doubt. Undoubtedly, this withering of the fig tree, this declaration over this fig tree was to teach the disciples one of the key elements of producing fruit, and that is be men and women of great faith. And don't be doubters. Listen, we can't be productive for him if we don't have faith. In fact, faith, as you know, is the cornerstone of the gospel. What's the Bible say? For by grace you are saved through what? Faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works lest any man should boast. The Bible says it's allotted to every man a measure of faith. God has given us a gift of faith. And that's how we're born again. We live, by, in fact, the Bible says we live by faith. We walk by faith. Uh, we, we, it's, it's, we're, we're saved by faith. It's all about this gift of faith that God has given us that we must embrace. Have faith in God and do not doubt. Amen. We live by faith. We walk by faith. 
And as we learn in Hebrews 11, we die in faith. In fact, what did John say in 1 John chapter 4, I think? He said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even what? Our faith. And the first thing Jesus taught his disciples after this, ma- this glorious demonstration of on day one the, of his, his coming into town and, and, and people throwing palm branches down and a big praise session. And listen, we need to praise him, amen. But we need to also let him purify us as he did the temple so his power can be made manifest through us. We also need to understand, embrace the reality that in order for that to happen, we have to have faith in God. Are you with me? In fact, if you went to Luke chapter 11, uh, no, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Mark's account of this same thing. He says this, he quotes Jesus. Jesus said, have faith in God. Everybody say, have faith in God. Tell somebody, have faith in God. Listen, tell somebody else. Come on, seriously, turn around and tell somebody. Have faith in God. Listen, and this is how we're going to be productive for him. We're going to have to trust him. Faith is the atmosphere where, where, where God can move in our midst. Faith is the atmosphere. Listen, when you get out in the, and when you get out in the fair Wednesday night, have faith in God. Come on now. Let's believe that God has sent us to the fair, not just for Rudy's steak on a stick, but for people who are lost and without Christ. We have faith in God. Disciples, this is how it happens. When you have faith, when you walk by faith in life and release that faith that I have given you, the miraculous begins to happen. The supernatural, it's an environment. Listen, faith is a spiritual environment where, where, where God can move. In fact, if we had time to embrace that a little more, there were times when, when G, the Bible says Jesus could do no mighty miracles because, uh, because of a lack of faith of these people. People are wondering, where are the miracles? Let me tell you something, the miracles are waiting on the people. People say, God's not doing miracles anymore. Yeah, he's, he wants it, but what he needs is people of faith. That's what he was trying to teach the disciples. That first rattle out of the box after he came to town. They're all excited about miracles. Jesus knew he was about to die, rise again and go to heaven. And he knew these cats had to have faith. I think they got that too. They were a little slow, but they got it. You remember after Pentecost, Peter and John on their way to the temple to pray, they saw this, this beggar. He, he, he had, he had, uh, leg issues. He couldn't walk. He was begging alms. Jesus said, uh, pardon me, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Let me just tell you, he didn't even pray for this dude. He didn't say, come on, let me pray for you. Lord, if it be thy will. He said, silver and gold have I none. Isn't that the truth? That's what most preach. Uh, Oh, I won't go there. 
Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, let me tell you, he was talking about faith right there. What I do have, I'm going to give to you. And it's a, it's faith. I've got faith. He had it. He got it from Jesus. He understood this, have faith in God. And he didn't curse a fig tree, but he, 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 he spoke into this man's body. He said, what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. He grabbed him and, and, and he lifted him up, rise and walk. Whoo, miracle. How'd that happen? Because of faith. Everybody say, have faith in God. Listen, if we're going to be productive for him and move to, from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit, we got to embrace the reality that we're living in the middle of a prophetic fulfillment and we've got to embrace the power of faith in our life. And then number three, that certainly fits with this, but it certainly is a little... As I've inferred a little, this is what faith will move to you. It's the power of a prophetic proclamation, a faith-filled prophetic proclamation in your life where you just, just began to declare a thing. Everybody say declare a thing. When you began to speak, that's what Jesus did to the tree. He spoke to the tree. He didn't pray to God to curse the tree. He just spoke to the tree. That's a lesson you and I need to understand. You know, hey, let me just say, some of you are in situations. Some of you are experiencing some, some stuff going on. Some of you got some things going on that you wonder, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with what's going on? I, I, Lord, I, Lord, I need you. I need you. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Listen, when you're walking in faith, it will, it will rise up from the inside of you. It won't stay hidden. It'll come bubbling out of your mouth. The Bible t says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? It speaks. And Jesus was modeling for his disciples the importance of a faith, importance of a faith filled doc declaration in their life. Look what he says. Verse 21 of chapter 21. Have faith in God and do not doubt. You will not only do what we've done for the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Not if you believe, just if you say, it's got to come out of your mouth. Listen, I believe, listen, I believe God wants to move us from this, this kind of mundane mindset. Well, I have faith in God to a place that it comes out of our mouth and we begin to declare a thing. Job said, declare a thing and it shall be established. Whew, you want to be productive for God? Have faith in God and realize that you're in the middle of God's prophetic fulfillment in the universe. Have faith in God and, ha and, and embrace the faith of God and begin to declare it, begin to speak it out. And when, if we had time, we'd go to Acts and we'll say they got it, man. Acts chapter two, they began to declare it. They began to speak it. Acts three, they began to speak it. Acts five, Acts nine. Oh my gosh, so many times where they just spoke things and they happen. I believe God wants our faith to move from, from whoopsie, from whoopsie. Note to self, don't try to adjust this in the middle of your message. Is that right? Does it look okay? I'm all right. Move us from just this inner, I believe the Lord. 
to a bold declaration of faith over your... What do you, what do you need God to do in your midst? Begin to declare a thing. Amen? Don't sit around in the mully grubs. Don't go down in the basement, dig holes. Get up, get out, get your head up, your eyes open. Get out there on Wednesday night in the fair and say, God's going to lead me to somebody who needs a word from the Lord. God's going to have a divine appointment for me, not only on Wednesday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. This is God's plan for my life. I'm moving from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. I am God's ambassador. I am God's plan A and there is no plan B. He's put me here on planet earth to be productive for him look out devil I've got the victory over you because of of the cross and the resurrection of Christ I'm on my way to a place of great productivity for you amen the power of prophetic fulfillment the power of faith the power of faith filled proclamation and finally he taught them the importance of a the power of a faith-filled prayer. These all link together. But some of us kind of pick and choose. Well, I have faith. You don't have faith. I'm going to speak it. I'm not. But he, then he moves them to a place of prayer. After he says in verse 21, you say to this mountain, be removed. Cast in the sea will be done. Then verse 22, and whatever things you ask for in prayer, Believing, somebody say believing, that's key. You will receive. I'm going to read it again. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. How many of you think that was written in red and it's true? He's talking about what it takes to be productive for God. He knew his disciples. In fact, they got concerned uh, in John. They got concerned about him leaving. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to help you. Don't worry about this. But understand something. You got to, I'm going to leave you. And you got to have a faith-filled prayer life. You got to keep this thing alive. And whatever you pray, when you're praying and when you're moving in the flow of the Spirit, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. It's a when you go to Acts, what do you find them doing? They're praying in faith. Acts 1:14. They're gathered together, cooperative prayer, praying in faith, and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon their life. And the Spirit of God began to move because of their faith-filled prayer life. Are you with me? Say amen. Listen, we've got to move from mamby-pamby kind of now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep kind of praying or these desperation kind of prayers that we pray in a pinch when we know that God really wants to do something so much more where we began to pray in faith, believing that God is up to something dynamic and the church began to understand that. And as they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell and people were born again. Acts 2, 42, Peter says this, and or it says of them, Luke's account, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in what? 
prayers. Somebody say prayers. Prayer, faith-filled prayer moves the hand of God. A lot of people are prayer warriors. Not very many people are prayer warriors. Faith-filled prayer. Acts 3, Peter and John on their way to the temple to pray. Acts 4, persecution begins to arise. The pressure from the religious order of the day. You can't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. They came together again and began to believe God and began to declare the will of God. They spoke the declaration of God. They said, you keep doing what you're doing. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Why? Because they understood the importance and the priority of a faith-filled prayer life. Would move them from no fruit to fruit, to more fruit, to much fruit. The power of prophetic fulfillment. We're living in God's timetable. He has a prophetic plan for your life. We can't just Twitter it away. Listen, while we're searching and Piddling around on Facebook, God has a plan. Are you with me? We've got to embrace that reality. Listen, Donnie, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for all of our, it's a prophetic plan. He does. Amen. And it'll move us if we'll embrace it. It'll move us to the place of our finest hour, just as Jesus. We embrace the power of faith and the power of a faith-filled proclamation and the power of faith-filled praying. Releases God to go to work in our midst. Let's stand together. Let's take this word from the Lord and appropriated in our lives today. Lord, today, we thank you that you're up to something. You have a prophetic plan unfolding over our life and over this church and over this area. We embrace the plan of God today just as Jesus did there on his first day back into town. Lord, we embrace during this holy week the prophetic plan of God for our lives. We embrace the power of faith and the power of a faith-filled declaration and the power of a faith-filled prayer life. Let us engage with you on those levels. Let us engage with our enemies 
on those levels. Let us engage with our family and friends with the gospel based upon a prophetic understanding and a power of faith and a faith-filled declaration. In fact, Lord, we speak over our friends and family, Lord, that they'll be born again, that they're going to be saved by the gospel, that they're going to come to church Sunday morning. I want you to begin to speak it right now over those who you know God wants you to invite and get here next Sunday. Lord, we speak over them that they will come from the north, south, east, and west. They will come and they will hear the gospel. They will hear the message of the cross of Christ, the greatest story ever told, and they'll be born again. Thank you that all over this world, even today, people are being born again. People are being ushered into the kingdom. People are embracing the prophetic plan of God for their life and it's unfolding before them. And Lord, by faith we stand and by faith we live and walk and move and have our being. And Lord, we thank you for that today. And Lord, may we pray prayers of faith that rock the spiritual atmosphere with the unfolding of the purpose of God in our lives to bear much fruit in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, it's real close to noon, but if you're believing God for a miracle in your life and family, lift it up right now. Lift your hand wherever you are. God's a God of miracles. Let's lift our hand. Lord, we know this week is a week of the miraculous. Lord, I don't know what these hands raised means, Lord, what, what they're trusting you for, whether it's physical healing or financial breakthrough or family concerns or personal issues. Lord, you, Lord God, created God a place and a time for us to be touched by God. May it be today. May it be this week. And Lord, on that first day, the miraculous began to happen. May it happen in this room today. May it happen in our families today. May it happen in our jobs today. May the miraculous power of God be released in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. One final thing before we go today. Let me just say, this week, become a house of purity. Let him cleanse the temple of your life. The Bible says our bodies are the temple of God. Let him cleanse us. If you want to be a people of power, you got to be a people of purity. If you want to be a person of prayer, you got to let him cleanse the temple. Amen.